Send your voice notes to Metro FM Talk. 7919142770. The headlines. The headlines on Metro FM Talk. Yeah, three minutes it is before 8 p.m. We continue with our headline segment here on Metro FM Talk. And uh, we now shift our attention to the economic freedom fighters uh, who uh, were out at uh, the uh, Mall of Africa uh, earlier on today. And uh, yeah, checking employment ratios in many uh, hospitality establishments uh, as part of their call for many of these to continue to employ more South Africans. Now, the party has called on businesses to make sure that at least 60% of their staff are South Africans. And uh, uh, yeah, indicating here the EFF that uh, they weren't shutting down any stores. And that uh, this was not in any way a xenophobic call. uh, And I think also suggesting that it was in no way a departure uh, from their long-held view uh, and I guess their pan-Africanist orientation and outlook, uh, which uh, suggests uh, or calls or agitates for a borderless Africa. I'm joined on the line now by the head of the presidency in the EFF, uh, Snao Tambo. Snao, Masquam Galabag Metro FM, good evening. Good evening, how are you, Abo? Japi Lagunjan. Good, good, good. Let's maybe start off here just briefly, I guess, for some of our listeners who might not be familiar with, um, you know, the motivations of uh, the trip that the leader of the EFF, Julius Malema, made today to Mall of Africa. Just give us some of the background and context to it uh, before we get into the discussion. No problem. So the simple uh, reason for the visit of the EFF to Mall of Africa, Cream and two other restaurants, uh, at Mall of Africa today was to conduct an oversight and basically get an understanding of the ratio between South African employees in the hospitality industry, mm. restaurants in this instance, and foreign nationals in this industry. Because we are of the very determined view that the animosity between South African people and foreign nationals in South Africa is not because foreign nationals are employing themselves, but rather there is an attitude in the hospitality industry to employ foreign nationals in order to be able to exploit them for mm. cheap labor, and this results in the unemployment problems in South Africa being blamed on foreign nationals without an acute understanding of the fact that mm. it's a means of exposing and exploiting cheap labor mm. of the African immigrants themselves. So we were saying we are going to check whether there's a satisfactory ratio of foreign nationals and South African employees in the hospitality industry in these restaurants, because then that will give us an understanding of where this animosity comes from, but also we'll be able to ensure that at least there's a uh, solidarity between African foreign nationals and local mm-hmm. South Africans in the workplace because no South African employee will allow themselves to be exploited by any entity because they have a much more acute understanding of employment labor relations and also they they will be able to speak out more freely rather than an African migrant who might feel they're easily victimized mm. and will be left destitute should they be able to speak out against unfair labor practices. Sure, sure. So in a sense, this is you know a mix of an oversight visit but also a fact-finding mission for yourselves uh, so that Absolutely. you can satisfy yourselves that uh, this is the proportion that we observed uh, of South African yeah. nationals as opposed to, I guess, you know, uh, uh, African migrants who are working in a particular sector. Now, now let's, let's maybe counterpose that with your own, I guess, you know... Um, positions that you've agitated for um, and many people are suggesting and I'd love to hear us now your view on this uh, that in in many ways your recent pronouncements and even this visit today is a departure from your position on uh, you know pan-Africanist orientation and outlook uh, borderless Africa um, and effectively I guess even continental 
uh, uh, integration and, and, and unity. What are your comments on that? Um, and uh, I guess uh, I think you would think that that's unfair criticism. Uh, just indicate to Absolutely. us what your view is. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it's patently false to characterize that as a departure mm. because there's no justice in either perceived or real latent hiring of an exclusive either racial or national demographic in any sector of society. Mm. So what exclusivity does, we've learned this very well as a nation in South Africa, is that it breeds animosity, it breeds inequality, and it breeds racial or demographical or national, in terms of nationality, tension amongst people. So for us to say that, of course, our African brothers and sisters should be employed in South Africa because else should they be able to seek for employment if not on their own continent? Mm. Because the borders that have been put in the continent were as a result of Berlin Conference, we split this continent according to the resources that each other imperial nation wanted to acquire. So when we say that all African people should be welcome in South Africa, it's not a one-directional thing that we're saying everyone must come to South Africa. We're saying that South Africans must also seek job opportunities everywhere across the continent, and that is how we're going to develop many sectors of our society, from the hospitality industry to the railway industry and intra-African trade. So when we say there must be at least and an equal split, 50-50, 60-40, however you mm. want to put it, that must be able to put locals in terms of South Africans in places of employment in the hospitality industry. Yeah. It's not a departure. Rather, it's a means of building meaningful solidarity and ensuring that we don't have an exclusive employment of, sec- mm. of certain sectors of society to the, to the detriment of others. And sure, that's sure. the point that the EFS is trying to make. Maybe just two brief, I guess, uh, questions on that one. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts. The one is, I guess, what informs the choice of the ratio, 60-40 or 50-50, and then whether or not this is just for the hospitality sector, or do you envisage that you would at least extend your inquiry and uh, the scope of what you're looking for to other sectors as well? Look, the ratio is also basically to be able to ensure that our communities are not in conflict. So, for example, if I'm operating a business in Guazulu-Natal, it's impractical of me to want to take a person from Venda or take primarily a majority of people from Venda to come and work in a restaurant in Guadalupe because the locals are going to start questioning themselves. Firstly, these people cannot relate or interact with us at the level of language and culture. Secondly, why are our people from this locality mm. not being employed and we're importing people who might be able to have the same skills as those who are local as well? So we must curb that animosity, but also we must be able to cater for local conditions in any other business. And it's not only, on your second question, applicable to the hospitality industry. Mm. In Cape Town, for example, which I think this uh, problem of an exclusive employment, rather, or perceived exclusive employment of foreign African nationals is much more prevalent, especially in the transportation industry, Mm. Ubers, restaurants, and all those sorts of sectors. So we must be able to do a sectoral review of the employment practices, why they're operating like that. I mean, in our oversight visits to Cream and the three restaurants today, we didn't only ask about the ratios, we asked in terms of how are the tips distributed? Are people who are cooking at the back able to receive them as well? Are tips taxed? And how, the, how do those things work? We're looking into general employee and labor relations mm. in the sectors as well. But, of course, it's central because there's a populist narrative that sure, has been running sure. in the country and, and, around and, the employment of foreign nationals. And you know, yeah, Ayabon, yeah. we might actually find that there's no real overemployment of African nationals in these sectors, just as we found today. But rather because of xenophobic utterances and notions that are prevalent in our society, this is what is being purported. So this might actually help us 
counter and prove wrong mm. the published narratives of entities such as Put South Africa First, where we sure, actually see that sure. in reality there isn't a majority of foreign nationals employed in the hospitality industry, but it's a wrong and false mm. narrative that is extremely dangerous. You know, now I want to come back to that, but before I do, I think you're raising something very interesting in your reference to this populist narrative um, and, you know, one might argue even sort of center-right conservative narrative. Um, for many people who are sitting, I guess, outside of maybe the political realm uh, or even, you know, who might have just seen a statement and, and, and not engaged with your position, what would you say distinguishes what you are doing today and your assessment of and, and your fact-finding to maybe what had uh, been seen in visuals coming out of Soweto and what even the likes of the Patriotic Alliance have been doing? which is really calling, I guess, for shuttling people and, you know, putting them on a truck to Lindela somewhere or even putting them uh, on a truck back or, or, or the first plane back into their country. Um, and uh, I guess, you know, we're taking them out like that. Look, the distinction is very simple. And in the ideolo- at an ideological level, it's this. Our position comes from a need to build equality and counter the tensions that exist between our people and our fellow African brothers and sisters, whom we deem as one with our nation. Whereas, those who are evicting people in Soweto, those of the Patriotic Alliance who today even came out and said that there must be 100% employment of South Africans, are simply doing it out of intolerance. Mm. They're doing it out of bigotry. They're doing it out of a, out of a narrow, narrow view of an understanding of what constitutes the employment problem in South Africa. Mm. And it's opportunity. And there's an emerging center-right, not even center-right, extreme-right populist narrative across Europe, which is extremely seen to filter itself into South Africa as well. It was there in the United States under Donald Trump. It's a narrative of scapegoating foreign nationals for inabilities of states to provide employment and to alleviate social problems confronting local people. And it's the easiest thing to do, Mm. to identify an enemy, to be able to direct attention of people away from your own inadequacies as a collective leadership. Mm. So that's the primary distinction, I think, that our people are being uh, baited into finding a scapegoat that is not those who are tasked and who yeah. have the responsibility of creating employment for them. So now, there's something else the that Patriot you raised. The Patriot Alliance will be doing it for electoral gains as well. Sure, sure. There's something else that you raised, which is, you know, uh, I guess this being conversant with whatever the law says insofar as labor market migration is concerned. Um, and, and I think, you know, I mean, many people have criticized uh, the EFF saying, look, you know, this is something really between the employer, the employee, and of course, from an immigration status perspective, between uh, the said person and the state. Uh, talk to me about your assessment, I guess, of one, the um, enforcement capability within the Department of Labor and even uh, Home Affairs to do ideally what I guess you guys were trying to do today, which is to get a sense of who is working where in what sector. Uh, in order to make sure that this animosity doesn't exist between, uh, uh, you know, one African to, to, to another African. Talk to me about your sense of where you see this type of intervention fitting in into, one, the enforcement of the law as it currently stands, but also, two, in trying, I guess, to, to deal with this animosity. Look, it simply it lies in the level of legislation. So legislation exists already that encourages and in fact uh, puts uh, the responsibility onto businesses to ensure that there's localized development and localized employment in all sectors of our society. So the legislation is there. It's just a matter of the oversight duties being conducted, which the Department of Home Affairs, the Department of Labor, has simply been unable to do that. I mean, we have a ministry of labor in this country that we simply do not know what it does. The same way that we have a sports arts and culture minister that simply only sends out condolences. So 
legislation exists, legislation can be drafted to ensure that we curb the animosities between our people and foreign nationals, which is extremely dangerous and has led to a loss of life on many instances and occasions. So our oversight visit, for example, can serve as a, as a, as a, as a barometer and a test to be able to firstly dispel in the public discourse certain narratives that exist, but mm. also enforce and in, inform how we craft legislation going forward, how we review legislation that already sure. exists, and how that can assist us in ensuring that our people are able to coexist within the labor mm. sector in this country, be they African, be they from any other country, because there's never been any development without a cross-migration of skills, a cross-migration of nationalities, creativity. The birth of society in itself, modern society, comes from interactions of different societies from different backgrounds, converging their ideas and, mm. and skills in order to develop societies. Yeah. So this yeah. narrow nationalism serves no purpose and it serves no one, and it's extremely dangerous. So we must be able to transfer, because I think for our people currently, the, the, the discourse that we're trying to raise at the level of pan-Africanism is a bit abstract. So exercises that the EFF has conducted today serve to, to sort of give them a more concrete understanding of the ability and need for us to be able to coexist in the workplace, how we can be of beneficial use to each other as Africans, how we can cross-trade, how we can cross-migrate and the, sure, le- the sure. level of labor across countries and across continents. Okay, so so now, we need to be able to take the abstract and make yeah, it yeah. practical so that we can be able to put it into legislation okay. and ease these uh, uh, Point made. Intentions. Point made. Point made. But... I think the other issue here is now, uh, I mean, you, you would have many members who sit in the Portfolio Committee on Employment and Labor, and you can maybe, I guess, in your response, give, give us a sense of this. But I think the other question is that South Africa historically has had front door and back door migration, I mean, during apartheid. And it seems that much of the discussion is happening at, uh, you know, the bottom end of the distribution insofar as migration by poor African people and people from the global south coming into the country. Yet... We still hear people, many who are saying, create, you know, easier visa processes, easier, easier migration processes for skilled, you know, uh, foreigners who come from Westerner countries or Northern countries. How are you grappling and dealing with that? So that needs a much more sophisticated interaction in terms of nations that we perceive as developed and those that we perceive as not. So the problem of allowing the front door, back door migration that you're alluding to is that South Africa doesn't have really sophisticated economic relations with other countries in the continent. And as a result, people are only coming in and not going back with any sorts of skills that they've been able to learn. But also, South Africans are not exploring the continent because you perceive it as too underdeveloped, war-stricken. And so this means that we need to be able to take an ideological responsibility for the development of the continent because there's no isolated development that that is ever sustainable. So we can't say we're going to develop as an island. Mm. Because that's what leads to our dependency on nations that control it's the now, global economy, now, for an example. Now yes. Let's do this. Let's pause for a second because we've got an ad that's uh, just nearing on us. Uh, let's pause no there problem. and uh, we'll come back because I want to unpack this one. Because it just seems to me that I guess the focus is largely on uh, you know, people at the bottom end of uh, uh, the economic uh, indicators rather than some of the big calls that are being made for skilled migration. And yet those aren't seemingly part of this discussion. Send your voice notes to Metro FM Talk at 7919142270. The headlines, the headlines on Metro FM Talk. 13 minutes it is after 8 p.m. It's our headline segment. This evening we speak to EFF Head of Presidency, Snao Otambo, uh, about uh, the uh, oversight visits uh, by the leader of the EFF, Julius Malema, to the Mall of Africa earlier on today, I guess, and how that interfaces with uh, their outlook and position insofar as labor market migration is concerned. And uh, Snao, let me come back, I guess, to the point that um, you know I'm trying to get across here. 
that it seems to me, and, and this is something I guess that came up yesterday when many people, you know, in the Put South Africa First Brigade who are already coming, uh, I guess, you know, on Twitter, and we can go back to some of those tweets, um, you know, were raising. And yet, in the same, you know, timeline, if I can put it that way, there would be other people who are saying, why does the South African government not make it easier for those with skill to come into South Africa? Now, we know from the history that we come from that there would be a disproportionately larger number of people who come from northerner nations and western nations who would be seen as having this requisite skill that we need to develop. How do we balance that? Because my concern is that, you know, we, we're creating quotas uh, in some of the sectors and then saying, well, there are critical skills that we need in other sectors uh, without a clear sense, I guess, uh, because, you know, we bring in engineers, we bring in other capabilities. Uh, and I think the other then dimension to it is that even among the poor, there are those in, you know, the East Rand of Johannesburg, in places like Bedford View, Eastern European migrants, you know, and migrants from other northerner nations who are never, I guess, I guess treated with the same type of disdain that gave rise to your intervention today? Uh, look, I think it's a, it's a delicate balance that we need to make because firstly, we do need skilled people to be able to come into the country to develop us internally as well. But as you allude to, the history of people who are skilled is going to be of a certain race and of a certain geographic historical location, which is white people. So it needs, as I was trying to say before the break, that we must be able to understand that we need a balance that strikes that. But when people who are less fortunate, who are at the bottom of the barrel of the economic indicators, when they do need relief from South Africa, we must be able to provide that. And that's not at, at the expense of South African locals. That's why we're saying there must be a balance of employment of South African mm -hmm. local people and those uh, African migrants, for example, who need employment in the country as well. And then we must pivot from that into intercontinental, inter, into intercontinental development. So there needs to be mutual understanding of the purposes of why we are going to be able to firstly bring in skilled people from those Western nations, if they are from Western nations primarily, to be able to sophisticate our own industry because we are a nation that was deliberately underdeveloped mm. during apartheid. But also, we must be able to pivot whatever levels of development we have which supersede the nations that are uh, in our own continent, to be able to develop their people and be able to return back in, in terms of investment with them. Because mm. we're a nation, we're a nation and we're a continent that is extremely well-resourced in terms of minerals. We're a nation that is extremely well-resourced in terms of labor. But we're not able to coordinate these efforts and ensure that those who are at the back end of the economic indicators, which all African people seem to be as a majority in this continent, yeah. are elevated to a better positioning by utilizing our resources and, my, and, and pivoting all of that from intercontinental sure. trade. So you're correct. It's a delicate balance that we need to make. But it's not something that requires us to be populist and narrow in understanding and trying to protect industries where we're already suffering as well. It's not like South Africans, are, are, their jobs are being stolen by African migrants. It's not the truth. And even the jobs that we seemingly have capacities for are those that are at the back end of the economy. Mm. There are jobs such as in restaurants, gardeners, kitchen people. So we, we, we are not in a position to be fighting for crumbs. We shouldn't. Sure. We should be able to elevate each other and not trying to, to defend our meager economic standing in South Africa as if it's something to be proud of. Okay. So now, last one before I let you go. Um, you know, if the EFF were to ever move a, a private member's bill on those issues that you're raising, especially in sectors with as low barriers to entry, low skill requirements that happen to employ those with limited or no skill, would you push for quotas in those sectors? Look, I think, we, I think it's something that's under consideration. We are saying the ratios must be of a certain standard, for example, as things stand based so on existing legislation. You but our fact-finding missions, fact missions that we are 
going upon now, which are being embarked on not only by the commander-in-chief, but also our regional leaderships and our branch-level leaderships, are going to enhance our understanding of the situation so that we can ensure that when we do try and propose legislation related to these issues, it's from an informed basis, having assessed the conditions on the ground, having gotten the real experiences of the people and the real conditions in all of these sectors so that we make an informed decision. And if there's quotas necessary, we put them in place. If there aren't any necessary and everyone is compliant, we make sure that we spread that narrative and undermine populist xenophobic right-wing utterances that endanger our people and endanger international relations for a country that is such uh, is in such a, a very delicate position economically and its people. Snawatambo, thank you very much for your time, Angos. Thank you. Thank you. It's now EFF head of uh, presidency speaking to us uh, this evening here on Metro FM Talk. What do you make of that?